Good morning. I'm so glad you could be with me this morning as we're in God's Word together in the Unfolding the Word ministry. We're in the midst of an extended study of 1 John. Today, I want to read out of the third chapter, verse 4. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. In the third chapter of 1 John, if you've been with me for a while, we've been examining the growth process for the believers. The wonder of being a child of God is a product of repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of the great outcomes of being a child of God and the fact that God is carrying out a process of transforming us as his children into the image of Christ. God's great promise is that we will end up being like him when he appears. And God has begun a process within us already to move us in that direction. Philippians 1.6 talks about he who began a good work and you will see it through to the day of the Lord Jesus. God called for us and continues to call for us to cooperate with the process he is undertaking. Not to resist it, not to fight that growth process, but rather grow. When, as a believer, a child of God, one who has repented and believed in Christ as Savior, when we refuse to cooperate, when we resist that work that God is doing in us, and we resist it by disobedience, we resist it by refusing to surrender the control of our lives, presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, and so on, when we resist that work and drift into what the Bible describes as complacent carnality, we cannot be pleasing to the Lord. We stay a child of God, but God's great work in us shifts from process of growth into process of discipline to bring us to our senses. Now, talking about growth, and that's the context into which we find verse 4, we find that Scripture now turns attention to the issue of sin and the relationship of sin to the life of a child of God. Not the world in general, but the child of God. <laughs> Earlier in 1 John, we were reminded of the fact that children of God can stumble into sin. <laughs> Becoming a child of God, being saved, being right with God, does not mean we are perfect in our experience. It does mean we're covered by the perfect life of the Lord Jesus, and we've passed out of judgment into life. But here and now, in our day-to-day -day walk, we stumble. In 1 John verse 1-8, on through chapter 2, verse 2, we learned about the role of confession of sin, acknowledging our stumbling before God, appropriating in that acknowledgement, in that confession of sin, the experience of forgiveness, the restoration of continuing moment-by-moment, day-by-day walk with the Lord. We learned also that all of that operates and works because Jesus Christ is the atoning sacrifice for sin. Sin's already paid for. It isn't that we atone for our wrongs by confessing sin. It's already been paid for. By confessing sin, we appropriate what's already been done at the cross. We also learned that Jesus is our advocate before the Father, who is ever pleading for us before the Heavenly Father when we sin, that his blood covers it because we had repented and believed. Now, in this chapter now, the third chapter, we revisit some issues related to sin. 
and we gain some clarification on what sin actually is. And then later in verses 5 and 6, which I didn't read to you this morning, we'll gain some clarification on the difference between stumbling into sin and a continuing habitual practice of sin. Well, let's look at the first part of this, and that is some clarification on the essence of what sin is. Verse 4, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness, because sin is lawlessness. If one was to interact with other people in this world, and even at times with other Christians, one of the things that would come out of your interactions, if you happen to be talking about sin, is the tremendous confusion that there is out there as to what does God mean by sin? What exactly is sin anyway? Now, some of the people look at sin, quote, as a question of moral choices. In other words, sin is a matter of choosing between good and evil. Now, the question of who determines what's good or evil is still an open question, but there would be some agreement on the fact that, well, we're talking about moral choice. But you know, the Bible doesn't limit the discussion of sin to moral choice. And in fact, moral choice is but an application of what sin really is. So that issue, that it's merely moral choice, is not what the Bible means by sin. Some look at sin, quote, and just and thinking about what that means, and they look at, at it as sort of synonymous with being human beings and the fact that we fall short of our own expectations at times, fall short of other people's expectations. That that sin, therefore, if defined that way, is regrettable but acceptable because God knows we're but people and it's no big deal. Sin isn't a big issue before God. But if we study the scriptures, we discover, no, that's not, while we certainly fall short of what God wants for us, that's not the essence of sin. And far from being something that God just overlooks, it's anything but something being overlooked. So that's not really at the essence of what sin is either. Now, some look at sin <clears throat> similar to moral choice issues and just say, well, sin is another name for being ethically challenged, you know, where we're not quite able to align with the ethics of other people. Now, that's not what it is either. And some, in desperation maybe, come and say, well, there is no such thing as sin. They deny the existence of it altogether. There are no moral absolutes. Anything, any guilt that you may be feeling is all false guilt, just brought on by other people, and you'd be better to get rid of any of that guilt. Well, at any rate, all kinds of ideas about sin, none of which actually hit the mark. Increasingly, by the way, in the culture of which we are a part, even to call something sin becomes a major error, a major problem. In fact, in the United States, it's not uncommon in our current culture. If you look at something that the Bible describes as sin, people will accuse you of hate speech, lack of acceptance, destructive to the self-image of other people. <laughs> uh, sin certainly stirs up lots of responses, just as it reflects lots of differing understandings. But here's the challenge that the Bible is giving us here. Don't be confused by such cultural nonsense. 
on something as important as sin, God hasn't left us just with our own deliberations to figure out what it is. No, if sin separates us from God, if it is the reason why we have accountability before God and keeps us from eternity with the Lord, then you can bet that the scripture goes out of its way to define for us what the problem is so that we can identify it and deal with it properly. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How much more important is that in relationship to an issue like sin? Well, coming back to our verse, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness because sin is lawlessness. If you were trying to get a grasp on what God has told us about sin, how it properly is defined, these verses give us the insight. How is sin defined? Sin is lawlessness. While lawlessness can certainly have moral overtones, it is a distinctively different idea. At its heart, it's not only morality. So what in the world does it mean that sin is lawlessness? What is God saying about sin that helps us to define it and better understand it and know what we have to contend with? Well, it's a great question. And this passage and others define clearly for us what the Bible means by lawlessness. So join me tomorrow, and we will continue on this theme and examine what in the world does it mean that sin is lawlessness. Join me then, won't you? God bless.